Well, good morning, church. Good morning again, online community. Today is one of the most special days in church life. And, um, you know, one of my leaders, one time I was at a leadership uh, meeting, and uh, they said to me, the relationship that you have with Josh and Dara Lee needs to be duplicated somehow because it's so special. And the response to that is there are relationships that, and I'm going to show this to you biblically, there are relationships that you purposely develop because um, to build the kingdom of God, to build a business, to uh, build a, any kind of a ministry or a sports team, you have mentors and men mentees, right? You have you set that up. You got a farm team in sports, which is the B League, and they, they graduate to uh, the majors. Um, and so every every organization has that kind of a system. But every once in a while, the Lord will specifically ordain a relationship that you had nothing to do with. You just have to nurture it. You recognize it and you nurture it. Those are divinely orchestrated relationships. Josh and Dara Lee uh, are. are, are is, is one of those, Josh and Dara Lee and the leadership of this church is one of those kind of relationships. And it's for the purpose of our church's advancement. It's for the purpose of the kingdom of God's advancement. It's for the purpose of them uh, fulfilling their call, their divinely ordered call of God. So we, for me, for them, it's a, today is a special day. It's a, it's a privilege for them. But I'm going to tell you who else is a privilege for me. Because when God brings a son or daughter along in their life, um, and there is something, as we'll see, there's something called a calling where you know you're called. And then there is the day of separation to that calling. And there's this gap in the middle that is horrible. <laughs> it could be three years. It could be 10 years. It could be 40 years of preparation. And what myself and the leadership have recognized over the decades of pastoring is we see young people who are anointed and appointed by God. They're called by God. If they know it, it's recognizable. But they bail on the preparation season. They feel underappreciated. They feel not seen. They feel not celebrated or whatever it might be. They're not recognizing it as the leadership tells them God's developing you. Stick in there. It's hard. I know he's developing character. You think about someone like Joseph who has a dream when he's 18 years old. But it wasn't until, you know, I think 13 years later... After he went through the pit and to the prison, he began to prime minister. That process was critical so that when God, uh, when God separated Joseph to the calling he called him to 13 years earlier, uh, Joseph could handle the assignment. You see the same thing with Jesus, you see the same thing with Paul, you see the same thing with David. And so you don't want to bail on the process of preparation. And so I just want to commend Josh and Dara Lee for the way that we have watched them struggle, knowing they're called, waiting for that day of separation. And we all think it's sooner than it is. How many of you have noticed God is not on your timeline? How many of you have noticed that he's not looking at your watch? He's looking at his watch. He does things in his time. So Josh and I were driving down today, and, and I talked to both of them yesterday, and, and um, asked, how, how are you doing how are you feeling? Tomorrow's a big day. And both of them said that they can now look at the breadcrumbs. They can look at God's fingerprints. You can look at God's timing. The people that came in and out of their lives. The seasons. The, the things that had transpired between the time they knew they were called to today. And both of them said, God truly is 
the orchestrator of our lives. <laughs> it said, if we did this anytime sooner, it would have been the wrong time. And so the timing of God in our lives is critical. You can really, uh, you can really hinder God's plan for your life if you get ahead of Him. You have to trust healthy leadership to help you discern the right time for God's separation in your life, what He's called you to. So, uh, I want to talk to you today briefly about impartation, the power and purpose of impartation. Then we're going to do it. First, we're going to lay hands on Josh and Daryl Lee. We're going to pray, lay hands, prophesy. Then, we're going to have Josh and Daryl Lee and myself and Stephanie and David Lowe's and others that are in leadership who have anointings and giftings and authority in them to lay hands on any of you who want more of God so you can do more for God. Say, I want more of God so I can do more for God. And this is for you online as well. Look, I know many of you couldn't be here today. However, if you are watching online, I want you to be in a receptive posture. Because the anointings and giftings of God can transfer through any medium. It can be hands laid on, it can be prophecy. You can be watching. I've had so many times I've been watching Christian television. I'll hear a testimony. And literally the faith that caused that miracle to take place the first time, literally like it leaps into me or on me. And I have the same measure of faith to reproduce that miracle. Jesus one time, the guy said, come to my house, lay hands on my servant, and they'll be healed. Jesus says, no, I'm just going to say be healed. Jesus was in a completely different town and said, your servant is healed. And the guy went home and they said, your servant is healed. And he said, what time was he healed? And it says, so it was the exact same time that Jesus said, you are healed. So anointings and, uh, and giftings can transfer in many different ways. So you be in a receptive posture online. And those of you here, of course, I'm going to teach to help us get even more ready to receive. So to impart means to give, to bestow, or to transfer. To give, to bestow, or to transfer. The opposite of that would be to remove. So, example, how many of you have ever transferred money from your checking account to your savings account? Have you ever done that? Or from your savings to your checking account? So you transferred some goods, some value, commodity, wealth from one account to another. How many of you use Venmo, right? Anybody got Venmo to use that? All right. So you send money from your account to somebody else's account. And so you imparted money from your account to their account. Another way is, um, so hey, Sam, I need that nice blue blazer. Come on up here real quick. All right, take that puppy off. Okay, there you go. Isn't my son the sharpest dresser in the kingdom of God? You guys do know that he won best dress at Ramona High School. You know that, right? Is, it, is that a shock? Is that a shock? Okay, great. All right, so this is, well, you know what? Let's do it this way. This is my son. And let's say this was mine. All right? Let's just say this was mine. So this is mine, but as a father, transfer the anointing, the authority, the giftings onto my son. But that literally is what impartation means. Uh, now, those examples, those examples of impartation are that I had something and I gave it away and now I have less than I had. Transferring money to somebody else's account, you're blessed. But there are other things you can transfer where you aren't depleted from what you transfer. Like the wisdom of a parent to a child. 
parents can transfer wisdom to the next generation. That's God's design, by the way, which I will say to all the young people listening here um, and also to uh, the parents and the, and the leaders of the genera- next generation, the, the current generation. That transfer, this is just a side note, this is for free. That transfer of anointing and giftings and wisdom from one generation to the next is God's plan. Because everything that a parent or a grandparent or those in leadership have fought for and accomplished becomes their ceiling. This is how high we went, right, Isabel? We went that high. Now, if the next generation would honor and respect and be able to receive from the former generation, then everything that that former generation has pours into the next generation and the ceiling of the first generation becomes the floor of the next generation. So Satan does everything he can to drive a wedge in between the first generation and the second generation so that second generation uh, has to start from scratch. And so David set up his son Solomon. David whooped up on everybody and then handed it over to his son and said, here's the kingdom. I fought for you to have And then God imparted wisdom into Solomon through a dream. One night. There's one way to get wisdom, and that is by by accumulating wisdom through experience as you go in education. Another way to get wisdom is by having it imparted into you supernaturally. That's what God did to Solomon in one night. He had a dream. God says, what do you want? I asked you today, what do you want? God asked you today, what do you want? And Solomon said, I need wisdom. My dad built this kingdom. His ceiling has become my floor. But I'm just a kid who's like 20 years old. And I'm going to be the king of this kingdom my dad built. Help me. I need need wisdom. And God said, man, you've asked for a great thing. Here, I'll tell you what. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to make you wiser than anybody that's ever been and anybody that will be. And I'm going to give you riches and wealth as well. And in one night, God went, boop. He woke up the next morning and Solomon was the wisest man on earth. Impartation. The purpose for imparting is for blessing, for empowerment, for effectiveness, for fruitfulness, for increase. You can get by on what you have in your own skill set, but wouldn't you like some power-ups? Okay, kids, how many of you play games and game? How many of you do online gaming? Come on, raise your hands. Teenagers, middle school, high school, look at me up here. Hey, kids in the back. Hey, back row, look at me. All right, you guys, you guys play Fortnite? You guys play those games? Look at me. Yeah, no Fortnite, no Fortnite. You guys, you let them play anything? Okay, no, no Black Ops, nothing like that? Okay. Anybody in here? Okay, back here, my son. Sorry, the pastor's son. Now, okay, now we're going to have a war in the church. The pastor's son, you get to play Fortnite. Okay, so when, when your guy or gal is running through the wherever, the matrix, and there's something glowing over here, right? And they go over and they run over on top of it, they pick it up. What's that called, Josiah? Power-up. A power-up. What's a power-up do for you? Gives you power and, huh? Ad- advantages. Everybody say advantages. Maybe some uh, special skill sets. Give me a couple examples. What can you pick up? 
A flamethrower. Now, what, I mean, everybody needs a flamethrower. Who would like a flamethrower? Okay. <laughs> Alright, one more. What else can you pick up? Speed. Okay, you think about in the Bible where Elijah says, I'm going to call down rain from heaven. It hasn't rained in three and a half years because I call it a drought. I'm now going to call it to rain because God told him to. And then when the rain was about to come, it says that the king got into his chariot and was racing to the city to beat the rain before the uh, rain came down. But Elijah said the spirit of the Lord came upon Elijah and he outran the chariot. That's a power up. Okay, and that's not a game. That's real life in the kingdom of God. Everybody said amen. amen. This is what I'm talking about. This isn't a game. This is real. Satan has supernatural powers. The people of God have greater supernatural powers if we understand that we need power-ups along the way. Now, here's the way God does it. God calls a fivefold ministry, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, and puts anointings, giftings, and authority in these normal people, just men and women. Don't make idols out of them. Don't make statues out of them. Don't elevate them. Honor them, but don't elevate them out of just being human. Huge mistake. This also makes it very difficult to receive the anointings and the giftings from people because familiarity breeds contempt. Very dangerous. I say work through the contempt because if you can't separate the humanness of a person and the anointing of God that's on them, you're going to miss the anointing of God that's on them. This almost happened to me. I did not trust one of my pastors. He, did, he, he lacked character. And I, I didn't know that, but I just felt it, and I didn't trust him. And uh, this is on the receiving uh, piece of this teaching, which is toward the end, so I'm way at the bottom of my sermon right now. But these tech team know that when Mark teaches, he writes his sermon out as a lawyer, good lawyer would, and he literally reads his sermon. And so the tech team's like, well, this is it's kind of like this, right? However, when I preach, they're like, dear God. <laughs> So I give them as few slides as possible. And so um, I was resisting my pastor because I didn't trust him. And the Lord, one night in my prayer time, rebuked me. And he said, you are rejecting the authority I've put over your life. And so the next night, uh, on Wednesday night, um, my pastor wanted to meet with me. And I didn't know what it was for. It was to fire me, which I did not know. Because he could feel me resisting his authority consistently. And um, and so I, you know, so I just had a bad attitude. And you know, there, you just create distance from people you don't trust. And uh, the Lord said to me that I have opened up a wide door for you, and you are going to abort your harvest by rejecting the authority. Because there was an anointing that he had that the Lord wanted me to have. To be able to do what I'm doing today and throughout our city and, and down in Mexico and other places. There was that apostolic anointing I needed. How many of you know God does not call perfect people? Anybody here know that? So what happens is when we see each other's imperfections, we then begin to dishonor one another. The Bible says, honor a prophet in the name of a prophet and you'll receive the prophet's reward. The reward is the anointing, the gifting that he or she is carrying that's why the, one of the Ten Commandments is honor your mother and father. It didn't say if they deserve it. Because if you honor them, 
it will go well with you and you will live long on the earth. You see, there's an impartation. There's a transfer that takes place from one generation to the next. And so that night, I didn't plan on telling you the story, but that night I went into his office and I said, Pastor, before you tell me whatever you brought me in here to tell me, I just want to apologize to you. He was like, what for, John? I said, I have been rejecting your authority and the Lord rebuked me. I built that church with the senior pastor from 100 to 1,500 people. And this, this guy came in and uh, he went to 3,000. Uh, however, he was doing some things on the side, which I was not aware of, that were ungodly. And the whole church ended up imploding and falling apart. People were telling me, get out of there. Because they could discern there's something not right too. But the Lord told me to stay in there. Isn't that interesting? People told David, kill Saul. Clearly a man of the flesh. Trying to kill David. And David said, I will not touch the Lord's anointed. He had an opportunity to kill Saul more than once and would not do it. And so, um, I don't know why I'm teaching so long at this point. It obviously is necessary. What the, what the, yeah, what the, what the oh, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Hang on now. I'm preaching today. There was another time that Noah got drunk and he was naked, laying on the ground. One of his sons went in and saw him and went and told his brothers. And the brothers came in and covered him up. And the son that saw him naked and left him uncovered and went and told everybody else was cursed. You say, well, what the heck? Metaphorically, you don't uncover you, you cover. You don't go tell people about uh, your father, your mother, your pastors, your leaders, your bosses. We don't uncover people and expose them. It's really good. Yeah. Honor. If the younger generation understood that you are literally robbing yourself of the goods from the previous generation, you might do it differently. And so, boy, you need to do it differently. You need to hear what I'm saying today. And so, I said, I'd be lucky to be an usher in this church. Now, I was the senior associate pastor of a 3,000 member church. And I was upset because we had built that church from 100 people. And I worked hard for 12 years in their day and night. And uh, the youth pastor was there who was brought on staff by the senior pastor. He just went, Whew. I was like, well, that was weird. I wonder why he did that. So the pastor said, okay, well, the pastor didn't talk to me about anything. I was like, well, that was weird. He called me into his office to talk to me about something. But he didn't talk to me about anything. I walk out of the office and I said, what was that about? Why did you make that heavy sigh? And why didn't the pastor talk to me about anything? He said, he was going to fire you. That's what tonight was about. He said, he, you have been resisting and rejecting his leadership and anointing. And he was going to fire you. The next Sunday, I was sitting on the front row, and up to that point, I had received nothing from the pastor when he preached. It's like there's nothing, there's no anointing on him. I'm not getting any wisdom from him. That next Sunday, as he's preaching, I physically felt the anointing go into me. 
And he ended up being exposed and his ministry was destroyed. It is very bad. It is sad bad. However, and it took me a year to recover from spiritual abuse coming out of that season. However, I left with the gold, which is the anointing, which is good for you guys. The anointing, the gifting, the authority is to serve God's people with. It's different than the flesh. It is spiritual uh, goods. John? Yes? I'm sensing uh, uh, a need to do a ministry time right now. Okay, well, well come on up and let's, let's, let's move the Holy Spirit. Uh, I was about to move on to the next point as a teacher. But one of the prophets in the house is saying, not so fast, big boy. <laughs> so let's see what Mark has. May I? Can you hear me? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't do this ever, <laughs> interrupt something like this, but I really think this is a moment that we need to do something. Um, I, I don't hear him um, on, in the speakers. There we go. We okay. need to make sure those online can hear yeah. him. Okay. That's, that's better. Um, when I was a teenager... I had a terrible relationship with my father, um, and uh, I actually couldn't be in the same room with him for a period of time. Uh, and I made a vow when I was that age. I, I said, I will never treat people the way my father treats me. I will never, ever do that. And I saw all of his failures very clearly. They were, they were real. I wasn't making them up. They were terrible failures in his character and his behavior. And years later, in my ministry, I found I was ineffective in a lot of ways. I was a people pleaser. Can you turn him up just a little bit, please? I was a people pleaser. I was afraid to bring correction to anybody. And um, I didn't understand why. And the Lord said, you have rejected the spiritual authority that I wanted to give you through your earthly father. He said, you have interpreted all of his failures as completely worthless. And they are, the failures are worthless. But what the Lord said was this, what don't you like about your father? And I said, he's domineering. He thinks he's always right. And he's pushy. And uh, the Lord said, that is a perversion of something good that I built into him. What is that a perversion of? What's the good that I put in your father? And I thought about it. He said, leadership. And the Lord said, yes. He said, you have rejected the gift of leadership in him because you saw his perversion of it. The Lord said, I can't give you what you reject from the source that I intended to give it to you. He said, name anything you don't like about your father. And I started naming them. And then the Lord said, what is that a perversion of? And I saw the good in every single thing. My father had perverted those things. But the good was there for me to receive. And the Lord says, you have to make a choice to renounce your vow. I will never be like my father. And you have to receive the good that I intended for you to receive. And I did it in that moment, went through the things and said, I received the gift of leadership. I received the gift of, of intellect. I received the gift of vision. 
And all these things that was perverted, I received the good of it, and my ministry began to change. And I sense in this moment that many of you have done something similar, whether it's a teacher, or a mother, a father, any authority figure, and you've seen the mistakes they made and said, I will never be like that. But what you just did was you rejected the good, which was the thing God intended to give you. And if let's just take a moment and ask the Lord, what have I rejected? Because I saw the perversion of it. What was the good that I didn't receive, which I need now to be whole and to function? So Holy, just close your eyes for a second. We'll do this real fast. Holy Spirit, please show each one of us, if this is the case, what was it that I said no to because I saw the perversion of it, but I didn't see the good what was it, Holy Spirit, that you want to give me that I rejected in that moment, in that thought? Now, if you get something, just put your hand up. If you saw something, just put your hand up. Okay, good. Now, welcome the good. Say, yes, I reject the perversion of it, but I accept right now from the Lord. I accept the good that you intended to give me in that way. I receive it now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Great stuff. Amen. Let's thank the Lord for that. Amen. Okay, so the purpose of this is to be a blessing to others. Let's look at impartation of the word, and uh, we're going to lay hands in just a few minutes. Obviously, the one that we want to look at the most and first is Jesus. It says this in Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. It says, Jesus gathered his 12 disciples and, say it out loud, imparted to them. He had something and he gave it to them. Authority to cast out demons and to heal every sickness and every disease. That's ours. One of the main ways that gifts are, are, are transferred is by laying on hands and prophecy to review. God decides who gets what and how much they get of it. This is a foundational teaching of the Bible. This is not some high-level charismatic thing. Look at the Bible says about the laying on of hands. In the book of Hebrews chapter 6, now is the time for us to progress beyond basic the basic message of Christ and advance into perfection. The foundation, foundation has already been laid for us to build upon. What's the foundation blocks? Turning away from our dead works to embrace the faith in God. Teaching about different baptisms. Impartation by the laying on of hands. Resurrection from the dead and eternal judgment. So with God's enablement, we will move on to deeper truth. This laying on of hands for impartation, for power-ups, is a basic Christian foundational teaching. It's elementary. It should be elementary in the body of Christ. That's why one of my pet peeves, one of my soapboxes, is how much of the body of Christ does not operate in the supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit. It vexes me. Okay, some examples. In the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 27, this is a great setup for what we're going to do in a few minutes. We're going to hand a little, a few other scriptures, though. Um, it says this in uh, Numbers 27, 15. Then Moses spoke to the Lord, saying, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, set a man over the congregation, who may go out before them and go in before them. 
who may lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may not be like sheep which have no shepherd. And the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, and I'm going to say Joshua in Derli today. His name happens to be Joshua Derli. It's not like he gets some specialty that you don't get just because Joshua's name is Joshua. And it was a patriarchal society back then. So, And Deborah was bad to the bone. I'm going to tell you something. Deborah, the general of Israel's army, the woman in the Old Testament, and Joshua ever met. I mean, I would love to get a bag of popcorn and watch that fight. Okay, so. All right. Um, and the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, the son of Nun, with you, a man in whom is the spirit, and lay your hand on him. Set him before Eliezer, the priest, and before all the congregation, and inaugurate or commission him or ordain him in their sight, which we're going to do today. And you shall give some of your authority. You shall give some of your authority to him that all the congregation of the children of Israel may be obedient. He shall stand before Eliezer, the priest, and who shall inquire before the Lord for him by a judgment of Urim, which is what they did back then. I don't have time to unpack that. At his word, they shall go out. At his word, they'll come in. And all the children of Israel with him, all the congregation. And so Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He took Joshua, set him before Eliezer, the priest, and before all the congregation, laid hands on him, and inaugurated, ordained, commissioned him, just as the Lord commanded by Moses. Okay, then we go to Deuteronomy 34, which is toward the end of Moses' life. And um, it's interesting that it says that I'm going to give you him some of your authority. Then you go to Deuteronomy chapter 34 and verse 9. This is uh, when he's passing the mantle, which we're not doing today. And it says, verse 9, Now Joshua the son of Nun was full of the spirit of wisdom. Ready for this? For Moses had laid his hands on him. Isn't that good? Okay, now, the book of Numbers chapter 11. Another example of a transfer of authority. Numbers chapter 11. And uh, verse 16 and 17. And this is where God told Moses to get uh, the 70 elders and uh, have them help him lead. And it says in verse 16, 7, So the Lord said to Moses, Gather to me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them, and bring them to the tabernacle of meeting, that they may stand there with you. Then I will come down and talk with you there. I will, now watch this, I will take of the spirit that is upon you and will put the same upon them, and they will bear the burden of the people with you, that you may not bear yourself alone. It wasn't just Moses in his natural human state leading the people of God. There was a spirit of wisdom upon him. And, and God said, grab 70 men from the congregation, gather them, and I'm going to take some of the spirit that is on you, and I'm, I'm going to put it on them so they can help you lead. Leading the kingdom of God is a spiritual endeavor. It is not a natural endeavor. Can I hear an amen? Amen. All right, in the book of... Um, Acts chapter 6, let's go to the New Testament now, which is where we live. In Acts chapter 6, and the apostles uh, were leading the church apostolically, and it says, Now in those days, 6-1, when the number of the disciples were multiplying, that there arose a complaint among the Hebrews by the Hellenists, because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution of food. Then the twelve summoned the multitudes of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. This is a very important point for those who think that leadership think that they're at the upper echelon and that you know they won't do this, the most menial jobs in the church because they think they're a special class of people. 
Now, in some organizations, that may be the case. But in Christendom, it's not that the apostles or leaders are too high and mighty to set up chairs or to do any other, quote, menial tasks that are critical for the kingdom of God. It's that they have an assignment. And if they leave their assignment to go do these other things to prove that they're a team player or that they're humble, who's going to do their assignment? You see, it's not about who's more special. It's about what is your specialized assignment within the body of Christ. And so here they're very clear about it. And they said, look, it is, it is, not, it is not smart that we would leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. They already had a good reputation. They already had the Holy Spirit and they already had wisdom. Whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. This is why it's so dangerous for those in fivefold ministry to spend so much time doing administration rather than being in prayer and in the word. You want spiritual men and women of God leading you um, that have their... their the, uh, the anointing for leadership to be full of the Spirit and ready to impart that, not spending all their time and energy on administration. It's just not their calling. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. He was already full of faith, full of the Holy Spirit, full of wisdom, and these others. And they set them before the apostles. Now watch. They laid hands with the apostles, prayed and laid hands on them. Then the word of the Lord spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Now watch this. Stephen, who was one of those who had hands laid on him by the apostles, and they just laid hands on him simply for them to be able to pass off bread in the food line. You know, like, well, why would you have to have hands laid on to do that? I don't know. The Lord obviously knew that these People who were already full of the Holy Spirit, already had wisdom, already full of faith, needed something else. They needed some power-ups that were inside the apostles for them to be able to do their job with wisdom and administration or whatever it might be. But guess what? They got more than they bargained for. Here's Stephen that said, I'll pass off bread to old ladies. They laid hands on Stephen and look what he gets. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Verse 10, they were not able to resist the wisdom by the spirit with which he spoke. And then you get Philip, who also was one of the seven, who said, I'll pass off bread. I'll work in the food line. I'll help set up chairs. I'll work in the children's church. They laid hands on Philip, too. Now, let's check out Philip in Acts chapter 8. And it says in verse 4. Then those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. Now he's preaching. wonder where he got that anointing from. I remember when my pastor ended up laying hands on me. The next time I stood to preach, it was different. There was such authority and power and clarity and faith that I had never felt before. I knew it was his gift of preaching and the authority that went into me on that day. Dennis is going, preach it, brother. Because you've done this to sons and daughters all over the world. And you know what I'm talking about. And I'm sure they've said to you, ever since the day you laid hands on me, right? Yeah. And so Philip went down to the city of Samaria, preached Christ, and the multitudes with one accord heeded those 
the uh, things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did for unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. See, it wasn't just the apostles that operated in the supernatural power. According to some uh, Christian tradition teaching, the apostles were the ones that had these gifts. What about Philip? What about Stephen? They were just guys in the church. They said, yeah, I'll pass off, right? And now they're leading whole cities to Christ in power of signs, miracles, and wonders. How did they get that? By the laying on of the hands. Okay, then we go to, uh, well, I don't have enough time to continue on with that. So um, let me just tell you these two other, two other accounts instead of reading them. One was, the, was Saul, who was going around trying to kill the church. And Jesus appears to him, knocks him off his horse. He blinds him and says, uh, you're going to serve me now. And Paul says, that's a good idea. And so then he says this, I, I've appeared to a man named Ananias, Ananias, and he's in such and such town, and I told him you're coming to him. He's going to lay hands on you, and you're going to receive your sight in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus then talks to Ananias about it. And Ananias said, hey, wait a minute, Jesus. Now this is the resurrected Christ talking to these guys and revealing himself to these guys. And which means God still speaks to us, Jesus is alive. And so he says to him, look, I know Saul has been, is the greatest threat to the Christian church on the planet, but he's mine now. Okay, trust me, he's coming to your house. And when he comes to your house, lay hands on him so he can receive his sight and receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, why didn't Jesus, big point here. Why didn't Jesus just do it when he knocked Paul off his horse? Why didn't Jesus just also give him the authority and the gifts and the baptism of the Holy Spirit right there? Because Jesus makes us work as a team. He gives each one of us something to give to someone else so that we are a body. That's why Christianity is not a solo sport. If you're like, well, I don't need anybody. I got God. You're going to be walking through life like this. Because you don't have a right leg or a left leg or whatever this is. You don't have all the parts in your body to be able to function. You need to work out your relationships. Because there are giftings and anointings in your brothers and sisters that you need to be able to fulfill your destiny in God. And they need what you have. And so Satan works hard to separate us through offense and hurt and all that other stuff and pride and all that, keeping us separated so the body of Christ cannot function. That's why Paul says, endeavor, strain every nerve to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Somebody might want to say amen right there. Shelly got it. She said amen up here. And she's nearly perfect. Nearly perfect. <laughs> no. <laughs> and so and I did that in their hands. Paul saw his sight. got a sight. Then Paul needed Barnabas because nobody trusted Paul. And so Barnabas stood up to the body of Christ and said, hey, 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 hey. He's changed. Trust me. And so Barnabas became the door opener for the apostle Paul. We all need each other. Okay, now we're going to get to the giving and receiving because I don't have time to go through these other scriptures, but I think you guys are getting the point. 
The giver must give freely. Jesus said this, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. We're not charging Josh and Darylee for this today. <laughs> you might think, well, that's ridiculous. Hey, after Philip led that whole city to Christ, and then John and Peter came down and laid hands on the new disciples, and they all received the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues and prophesy. Simon the sorcerer who was in that town said, hey, let me have that power. I'll, give you, I'll buy it from you. I remember one time I had a word of knowledge for some gal when I was working construction here in San Diego and I had a word of knowledge for a girl that was walking by how old she was and what her birthday was. I think I told you that story once before. Um, and then the Lord told me, you know, uh, the rest of her life and, you know, it was just powerful. And the, one of the construction workers was with me he said, dude, you need to take that to Vegas. <laughs> I was like, No. I will not be with Simon the Sorcerer wherever he ended up. No, freely you receive, freely give. And the receiver must receive expectantly. And there's an example of this in Acts chapter 3. And well, I put down John chapter 3, it's Acts 3. And fixing his eyes on him with John and Peter. Peter said, look at us, talking about the man that was crippled at the gate. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from him. So Darren Lee and Josh, I need, I want you to expect to receive something today. I'm going to read these last couple of scriptures. And this is the charge now to Josh and Darren Lee. So Josh and Darren Lee, I'm going to ask you guys if you can move up front here and uh, sit right up here. Because I want to read these things to you. And you can just stay right there. You're good. Because there's two seats right there. And you live with them anyway. So this is like, <laughs> you guys are good. So uh, this is part of the charge that I'm going to give to you just as Paul gave this charge to Timothy, okay? In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 12 through 16. It says, let no one despise or devalue you because of your youth. All right. People my age come along and say, well, let me tell you, young bucks. Like, mm. <laughs> no one despise. That's different than receiving wisdom from the older generation. Don't let anybody despise your youth. But be an example to the believers in word and conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, Paul says, give attention to reading and the exhortation and to doctrine. Do not, watch this, do not neglect, so we can neglect the gifts that are in us. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy. Isn't that something? You can prophesy over somebody and a spiritual gift will literally go from you into them. <laughs> this is pretty cool stuff, isn't it? Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by the by prophecy and the laying the hand the, and the laying on of the hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them, which I know you guys are so excited. You now get to do that. Give yourself entirely to them. 
that your progress may be evident to everybody at the Gathering Place Church and beyond. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Then we see in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, that Paul writing to Timothy, who is now the pastor of the Ephesian church, he says in verse 6, Therefore I remind you, Josh and Darrell, to stir up, that's your job, stir up the gift of God, which is in you, through the laying on of my hands. Okay, in the last scripture, uh, talking about calling and separation in the book of Acts, where uh, though Saul was knocked off a horse by Jesus, um, it was 15 years later. I mean, think about that. You have an encounter with a risen Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords, Son of God, resurrected from the dead. He knocks you, personally knocks you off your horse. Has a conversation with you. Sets up the baptism of the Holy Spirit for you. Tells you what he's calling you to. And then Paul immediately goes out and tries to start fulfilling it. And they try to kill him. So he disappears for 15 years. Because you have a calling, but then you have the preparation, and then you have the separation. And so Barnabas ended up going up and finding Paul, brought him down to Antioch. Now Paul is part of the leadership of this Antioch church. And they're worshiping the Lord, and it says this in Acts chapter 13. Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers. Barnabas, there he is. Simeon, who was called Niger. Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who was brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. And they ministered to the Lord and fasted. The leadership of our church was fasted this week in preparation for this morning. And, and as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, see, that's why when you're in a worshiping atmosphere and you're serving the Lord, I'm always listening. The Holy Spirit might just speak any moment. When I pray for somebody, I just start praying. And I know once you get the waters flowing, all of a sudden you start hearing God. And God prayers start coming out of you. The Holy Spirit said, now, everybody say now. Yeah. Josh and Darley say now. Because now is now. For you guys. <laughs> now, separate. Everybody say separate. separate. Say calling. Preparation, preparation, separation. separation. Now separate. Lost my place. Yeah, I, no, I, no, I know what it's going to say. I just, my eyes weren't seeing it yet. Thank you, mom and dad. All right. Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed. And laid hands on them. They sent them away. We are not sending you away. <laughs> Separate to me. Saul and Barnabas for the work. That I have called them to. And that began Paul's first missionary journey. Then his second missionary journey. Then his third missionary journey. And the entire uh, region of South Asia heard the gospel. 
time for separation. Josh and Darlene, come on. Let's welcome these guys. Yeah. And so, uh, we got Dennis and April and Martin and Shelley coming up. Gary and Kathy, would you join us as well? And Francisco, come on up. Yeah, why don't you guys, why don't you, you guys stay here. I, I need some of you over here, some of you over here, flank them. I'll let them get away. Yeah, and I want you in the camera uh, screen as well, so you guys can come in a little more. Camera screen like this from this microphone over this microphone, okay? Uh, just, we're just. Um, okay, so for those of you that are watching online right now, what we're going to do is begin to just, uh, I'm going to say a couple things, then we're going to. Just open it up for prophecy, which is the Lord speaking through us to them, whatever Jesus would say, want to say to them. Uh, and then we're going to lay hands on them, and we're going to commission them or ordain them. And so, I want to say to you guys that um, I, I commend you for your faithfulness, your consistency, your uh, immovability. And I know there were times, I'm sure because I went through the same process, where you felt like you were hanging on by the skin of your teeth, right? However, you really weren't, because you were in the Lord's hand the whole time, you know? And, and now that you can look back, you can see that you were in the Lord's hand the whole time. As God said to the Pastor Mark one day, you're like a dart in my hand, and I can throw you anywhere I want you remember that? Mark thought he was like in control of his own life. He was like, no, you're a dart in my hand. And um, after he spoke that at the conference that I was at, after he said, I can throw you anywhere I want, and he kept throwing me off the dartboard, we left the denomination we were in. Wow. And when I went back to my room. Okay, now wait, you got to come back and say this so people online can hear you, you guys can hear you. There you go. This is really interesting. Um, we were at a conference, and um, we were debating whether to stay a part of the denomination we were in or not. And I was prayed for and ended up falling on the ground. And while I was lying on the ground, I saw a vision of this hand that kept throwing this dart at a dartboard. And he kept he hit a bunch of 12s, then he hit this one, this one, and then he nailed it right in the center. And I thought, this has got to be from the Lord, but it's weird. I said, what are you doing? And he said, and then, then the pan threw the dart at the, at the target, but it landed on the wall way over here outside the dartboard. And he said, I you're a dart, I throw you wherever I want. And he just went like this and threw me off the, off the target. We ended up leaving that denomination. But what was really funny, Shelley just reminded me, it's on the way back to the hotel room where the conference took place. Just outside our door, there was a dart. Oh, oh my There was God. a little blue dart with feathers on it. Oh. <laughs> I looked at it and I said, what's this doing here? And I took the dart home and put it on my desk because this is a reminder. He throws us where he wants. He throws us where it's appropriate. And all we have to do is rest in his hand and let him do it. That was pretty cool. All right, so um, without further delay, let's just lay hands and 
begin to prophesy. So we have two microphones here uh, for the prophecy posse. Now I call that term, I like it, and we're going to keep it. So anybody who uses that in any world in Christendom, royalties. Okay. A prophecy posse. All right. So the eldership, spiritual eldership leadership. Um, some of the folks up here aren't like officially in the leadership of the gathering place, like in an eldership role or whatever. However, the body of Christ is built on gifts and anointings. And so I know certain people have certain gifts, and we want to make sure those are utilized in a moment like this. So here we go. The Lord calls you both faithful. You've been through the fire, you've been through the storm, you've been through much pressure to enter the kingdom, and yet you've stayed. It's like your feet have been cemented, and you've learned how to be faithful. And the Lord wants to commend you for that. The prophetic word, I, I feel that even for the church, is that you're part of the foundation here. And the foundation has to be tried. You're like living stones that have been put through the fire. And the fire has welded you with the rest of the leadership. And even there's times where you wanted to run, but the Lord wouldn't let you. And uh, so today's the day of promotion. This isn't only the first promotion that's going to happen to both of you. There's more promotions coming. I see it. Um, but today's the day of promotion for both of you. Um, Josh, uh, the, the Lord says two words that I think you'll be able to remember. You're a worshiper. Everybody knows that. You're up here with a guitar, but you're also a warrior. There's times where you put down your guitar and you pick up the sword. And you, you swing the sword and you know how to fight. You're, um, and, and there's times where you put down the sword and you, you, you like playing the guitar. You'd rather play the guitar and pick up the sword. But God's taught you how to use both, both weapons. And he's, he, he's, he's taught you faithfully. The word, sometimes I get prophetic words for people that are names. And though, though your name is Joshua, I get the word David. And David was a man that was knew how to play. He knew how to, you know, he stripped himself of all his ministry stuff and just played and danced before the Lord and, and the rest. And you know, uh, you, you have a, a, a childlike, not a childish. Childish is different than child. You have a childlike spirit in the Lord. So just keep that spirit because that's what brings people into the, to my very presence. You know how to dance. You know how to worship. You, you, you've, you've encouraged yourself like David before the Lord, and, and uh, God commends you for that. A worshiper and a warrior. And uh, daily, um, um, uh, the Lord, I, I just see you and, you and Josh on a ship. And, and I see sometimes Josh is just playing guitar going kind of off, and the ship's kind of going off, and I see you as a navigator. And all of a sudden you go, Josh is off, lost in the presence of God, but I'm going to navigate the ship. This ship ain't going nowhere. And I see you as a navigator on the ship. He's a motivator, but you're the regulator that brings you to and brings, the, the, the other word I got was stability. You bring stability where it's needed in the family. It's not like Josh isn't stable, but there, there's a stability and, and, and also a discerning of spirits that you have. It's like even I saw you at the table there when I first came 
and and I, I, I just saw that discerning of spirits on you. You're, you're able to discern people, not in a negative way where you criticize, but in a real helpful way where you're able to point them in the right direction and also, like you do with your husband, a navigator. You're a navigator out there for the body of Christ. You're very important in this work. It's not just Josh, we're setting aside, but we're setting you aside also. And that, that's why both of you are in agreement with, this, with, with, with the ministry that God's given you both. You're a great couple. Know that prom promotion is here today. There's going to be more weight upon you. God's laying a foundation in this house to bring people and, and for you to be the servants of the Lord that you already are. But there's going to become more and more people as the foundations laid. Without a foundation, that we, it won't last. You can have thousands of people, but, it, but the storms come, the winds come, and boom, it's gone. But uh, uh, God's given you a good foundation to build here and been through the storms. And you, know, it's great. you know what's great about this? You know what's great about this is Dennis and April are new to this house. And so when they just prophesied, as the pastor of these guys, and those of us who have known them for a long time, that was spot on. Was that spot on? That was spot on. That is what's so cool about prophecy. Perhaps too spot on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, perhaps too spot on. All right, here we go. Um, it's so funny because I got something very similar. And uh, so when we were in pre-prayer this morning, uh, Josh, I saw a treasure box. And I saw with this promotion, you opening this treasure box and there's big um, black music notes and you're pulling out these new music notes. And with this promotion, God is going to take you even deeper into the preciousness and presence of the kingdom of God. And you're going you're gonna to reach notes, you're going to um, make songs. You're going to reach notes that God is giving you in this treasure box from this promotion. It's going to be sweet, just the sweetest notes. And you're going to recognize those sounds are new sounds that God is sending down from heaven. And um, uh, Darylee, uh, I just saw you as such an important part of this treasure box it's like a joint treasure box and you are you are not just to help me you help him in preparing in being in the presence of god to lift the body of christ to draw us into the presence of god so you are um just so important there's a, a special gifting it's not just to help me um, his wife there's a special gift where you add um, just a depth and a richness to what he's doing. So when we see him standing up here, it's also part of your contribution um, to lifting us up into the presence of God. And I just, um, just want to pray the protection of God upon you, upon your marriage. Because since you're the ones that are leading us into the presence, the enemy is going to try and separate. So mm -hmm. I pray that God would just impart a special wisdom upon you both 
to stand strong, to recognize the darts that the enemy would try to bring to, you know, shoot in and bring division. So I just pray a special, like, wall of steel around you to protect you, to keep you safe, and that he would give you eyes to see deep, deep in the spirit, to recognize um, the threats and the strategies of the enemy before before they even come. When they're mid-air, you're going to see them and discard them and destroy them. I wanted to jump into this right now because it's a, really a word of confirmation, particularly for what Dennis was just saying. And um, I, I saw this. I saw this picture that both of you. You've been in this time of training, and it's you were training for this. And, and you know, it's with the Olympics right now. But I, I, I just saw that you were training for the decathlon. So it was all of these events. It was running. It was jumping. It was throwing. It was. I mean, it's every. It's the all around to be the all around best. And so you've been in this period of training. Do you know a Don Potter song that's now is the time to worship Jesus? Do you know that song? Yes, do. That's just been going through my mind. Yeah. So you guys are worshipers. And it's it's not only that you're worshipers, but it's the spiritual warfare that Dennis was talking about. And I just hear this song, and for those of you who don't know it, it just there was a time Don Potter came out of secular music and Jesus uh, spoke to him and said, Now is the time to worship Jesus. And he says, yeah, yes, Lord, that's, that's great, yes. And he says, no, no, you don't understand. Now is the time to worship Jesus. He goes, yes, Lord, yes, yes, I understand that, Lord. No, you don't understand. Now is the time to worship Jesus. Josh and Darlene, I wrote out my prayer for you guys this week fasted and prayed this week, and this is just a real honor. But I want to stand here and say our commitment is not only to impart what God gives us to you and to draw it out of you, but you guys draw it out of us too. And so we really are a team, and we support you. And we want to grow in that, so we need to hear from you guys and the whole congregation as we continue to bless God, thank God for each of you. And Daryl, everybody that knows you knows you are an encourager. Every woman that's been in your presence knows that you are someone that just speaks life. And so I um, bless that and I draw that out. And Josh, you are a trailblazer, but you blaze the trail to the throne of God. And that is what we need. We don't need anything else. We don't need any fancy something or other. We need um, the heart that you have, the pure heart. You just want Jesus, and that is seen in us, and we see that. So I bless you guys in the strong name of Jesus, and we call out more. Thank you. That's right, pleasure to the throne of God. That's The word that came to me was authenticity. For both of you and your spiritual authority is related to your authenticity and it's that's the way it's going to work you're just very much your own 
Uh, you're very true to who you are as people. And you're receiving today a, a great impartation of giftedness from John and, and from all of us. But you're going to do it your own way. You're, you're going to embody that, yeah. that anointing, but you're going to do it your own way. So uh, the Lord says, uh, you never have to apologize. No apologies for who you are. <laughs> no, no. The craziness wow. is, is wonderful. The, 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 the youthful enthusiasm and the, the crazy innocence and the nutty sense of humor, it is of God by His design. You never apologize for those things, ever, because it's who you are. The more true you are to who you are, the more of Him flows through you. Your spiritual authority is proportional, in part, to your authenticity. You guys are authentic. Don't ever be anything but yourselves. The Lord approves. He's happy with how He made you. And the things that you have been judging against yourselves, as I wish I weren't like this, I wish I weren't like that, I wish I weren't like this, the Lord said, stop that. I designed that. You say, but it's weakness. And He goes, so what? I use weakness. As John says, I'm drawn to it. God says, I'm drawn to weakness. Your qualification isn't about strength or weakness. Your qualification is about being yourselves. So I bless you with that freedom. Amen. Francisco and Kathy, you have a thing in the middle of hands. Joshua, really, what I, what I have is this, and I believe it's from the Lord, is this day was in his calendar. This, this day was already set up by God in his calendar. And I was thinking in my way here, I said, Lord, if I have a word for Josh, better be yours, you know, not just good thoughts or anything. And what he reminds me is a picture, because in this relationship with God, uh, he communicates with me with pictures. And he gave me a picture that I already have in my mind, and says, this came long time ago, years ago, where he is, the Lord is holding like a calendar, like an accordion. He's making it. Uh, bigger or smaller, and then he says this, time is in my hand, if I have a picture here, but you won't be able to see it clearly, but the Lord is holding this calendar with many years, it says, time is in my hand, I can stretch it or shorten as much as I want, so if time is in my hand, then submit to my hand, that word submission is very important, and have all my peace, regardless how I approach time, yesterday, today, or tomorrow. In the same way that God had this day for you guys, have other days in His calendar. But He is the one that controls the time. When this time come, it's not just a day, you know, July 25th. It's not that. It's how He wanted it when. That's another thing for you. Because this same picture, I start seeing a map. And for some of you, hard copy of maps is of the past. But we used to have masks where we can fold them together. Same way, he says, I can open this map. And I saw San Diego marked today, you know, the day and everything. And I saw their arrows moving out of San Diego. So this is beyond this place and this time. So time is in his hand. And because you have submitted to him, to his hand, like he's saying here, this day came for you guys. Okay? A few weeks ago, the Lord gave me a word for you, 
and it is just stuck in my head for so long. <laughs> it's just always there, and I keep saying, Lord, well, what's the rest of it? What's the rest of it? But I'm thinking about the first time I met you. You came to a picnic at the park, and with the word that the Lord gave me recently was that you were pioneers. I saw you in a covered wagon heading out all by yourselves, and I thought, that's where you came from. You came from the east, and you traveled all by yourselves, and God put you here. Yeah. He also said, <laughs> in the wagon, there wasn't a lot of things, but there was a large slab of bacon. I know, and it was funny because it afterwards you it reconfirmed some things about you that it's me when God speaks to you, you think, oh, Lord, what did that mean? But you knew what it meant. God because when God speaks to you, he speaks to you personal things that only you know about and that you know that it's him. And he said that that large slab was not only to feed you, but it was who you were coming to. There was a large wagon train that you were on your way to. And it was food, food to feed them. So God has equipped you with food that will feed the plenty, that will feed in times of famine, that will feed you, your family, and those that you have come to and joined. So I just bless you as pioneers that have traveled a distance, have landed here because God has placed you here, and he has given you food, and of course worship at all the things that have been said today. And I just bless you in Jesus' mighty name. Yeah. I was just reminded about you being David, and it came to me when I was prophesying, and I'm getting old now, I forget things, so it came back. <laughs> but um, but uh, I saw you dancing and worshiping the Lord, and, and Michael despised David. And in her heart, she had no children. But you're not married to a Michael. You're married to an Abigail. Yeah. And, and Abigail means source of joy, chief of joy. You're an Abigail to David. Wow. So good. Okay. Um, I just want to add something really quick that um, you always need to reach out to the leadership for prayer whenever anything is trying to attack you because you are so important in the church, so central to lifting us up in, into the power of God yeah, that yeah. you need to always reach out no matter how small that you're struggling with something, something's attacking you, always reach out to us, the body, to pray for you. Yeah. Amen. Put that back there. All right, church. So it's time to lay hands and impart. So um, let's all stand. Just reach your hands out toward these guys. And um, the Lord is going to take whatever he wants to take that is in me. That This is something the Lord said to me on the way down here or maybe brought to my mind. I was thinking that the Lord is going to impart to you the gifts and the anointings and the authority that he's placed in me under you. But this came to mind. And all the anointings I've received from those that have laid hands on me. Every time I've had a spiritual father or anybody comes through town that has a spiritual gift, I have them lay hands on me. Because I know that I'm an I'm a anointing magnet. right? I want all the gifts and anointings that I can get to serve the body of Christ with. 
So the Lord is going to release now into you in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ and for the Lord Jesus Christ and for his church, his body, and for the gathering place church. Gifts. Spiritual gifts. Anointings. Authority. And power. The gift of faith. The gift of faith. Being released into you now. Wisdom. Gifts of healing. Shepherding heart. Authority over evil spirits to cast them out. A love for this house. Shepherds with staffs that will beat away wolves from God's people. A violence against the enemy to protect the sheep. Paul said, even from among you some will rise to deceive you. A shepherding eye to protect the sheep. Lord, I ask you now to impart to Josh and Beverly anything and everything you want them to have from me and from this leadership. Seven in the book of 